Today, I want to quickly just jump into today's word and share some thoughts with you directly from the scriptures regarding the series that we've been on entitled Above the Clouds. Hey, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but with God, you really can live above life's circumstances. You can experience life on a whole different level. You can be in the midst of situations and circumstances and at the same time live in peace. That's the way of the kingdom. And so we've been on this series about the kingdom of God. And what we've been finding is that the kingdom of God is the key to life. I want us to look real quick at a very familiar passage of scripture for those of you that have been here for the last several weeks while we've been on this, on this journey through the scriptures. In Matthew 16, 19, Jesus says this. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about the kingdom of God. And I want you to consider what he's saying. Begin to get a visual of this. There's keys. There's keys in the kingdom and keys have a purpose. Keys open doors, keys enlighten us to opportunities, keys unlock us from those very places that we're locked in. And so he says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And so, as I said before, the key to life lies in the kingdom of God. Hey, here's a quick uh, question for you to consider something to just. Think about, how are you doing in that area of unlocking doors, of taking advantage of the keys to the kingdom? How's that working? There's no condemnation in that, by the way. Whether you know Jesus or you don't, I want you to begin to see something, that life is so much more, and there's so much more available to you than what we know life to be. There really is. And the key to that is found in the kingdom of God. See, according to the scripture, here's all it's saying. It's saying the keys to life are in the kingdom. And whatever you do on earth that's aligned with God's kingdom, heaven backs up. And so God wants his kingdom to have an influence, to bring purpose, to clarify life, to make sense of it all, to give us direction and destiny, and even empower us to leave a legacy for years to come. And for generations to come, and it's all unlocked in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God. And so, today I want us to turn to a portion of scripture where Jesus was speaking to some people who were seeking life in all the wrong places. These people were called Pharisees. And these people came to rely upon religion and rituals. They relied upon the power that they wielded over the lives of people. They relied upon the, the, the accumulation of money and their selfish ambitions. But the thing is that they were living a lie. And so in John chapter 10, starting at verse 1, we begin to read Jesus' uh, Jesus's, uh, response to them. He's not condemning them, but what he's speaking is truth. And listen to the words that he says, starting in verse 1. He says, I tell you the truth. Hey, let's pause right there for a moment. If we're living a lie, if we're living outside of a means of depending upon God, here's what I want you to see today, that Jesus brings us truth. He wants to interrupt the direction that we've been going in. And so he says, I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief 
and a robber. In other words, he's saying the person who relies upon God any other way but through me, he's aligning his life with a thief and a robber. He's living a lie. He says the man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech But they did not understand what he was telling them. You know why they didn't understand? Because their life was focused in a different direction. It wasn't aligned with the language that he was speaking. They didn't understand the love of God. They understood religion. They understood the accumulation of money. They understood what it was to be in power. They understood what it was to be pompous before people and have the accolades of people who admired them. In another portion of scripture, Jesus alluding to these same people, he says, you're like whitewashed tombs. You look beautiful on the outside, but you're full of dead bones. And so he goes on to say, therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth that I am the gate for the sheep. And all whoever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out. Watch this. And find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Tell your neighbor, the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now watch watch what he's saying. He's talking about a liar. He's talking, yes, he's referring to Satan, but he's also referring to people that align themselves outside of God's kingdom. And you know, the kingdom of God, all it is is a recipe for success. The kingdom of God is God's leading, God's guidance, God's ways. All it is is a revelation of what it means to be in personal relationship with God and to follow after him. That's what the kingdom is. It's a better way. And so he goes on to say in verse uh, 11, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So you see, while the people of Israel looked to these men, to these Pharisees as the model of what a godly life was supposed to look like, Jesus exposes them. And hey, maybe he exposes some of our own understanding. He says, you're believing according to the manner of a thief, a liar. Now look, I'm not putting anyone down here, but if the shoe fits, don't wear it, change it. Change it today. Turn around. No condemnation in that. It's time to just go, okay, you know what? I've been following the wrong way. The kingdom of God is a key. I get that. It opens doors for me. It's about time I begin to experience some real life change. It's about time that I get past just this uh, monkey business of just Christian hula hoops, right? It's time that this become real and personal, that, that I begin to discover purpose and destiny. And so literally what we see here is that Jesus... It's saying, hey, don't go that way. That's the wrong way. You're putting your hands in the life of another whose intent is only to take from you, to destroy you, to kill you even, 
to kill the dreams and the purposes that God has for you. And what we really see here is that Jesus is getting to the heart of the matter with them. He's getting to the core of what's going on. And today, I want to talk to you about the heart of the matter. I want to talk to you about this one thing that gets in the way of experiencing the kingdom of God. You know what that thing is? This is going to be a touchy one. I'm going to tell your neighbor, "Uh uh-oh. Tell somebody else, don't take it personal. Don't take it personal. Don't t- I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm just laying the groundwork and I'm keeping it real with you. Hey, listen, it's money. It's money. Do you know, and, and by the way, just, just let me just clarify before you tune me out. You turn down your ears, right? We're not collecting a second offering. Not interested in that. We're not trying to get you to tithe or to give more. That's not what this is about. This is a core heart issue. It's a core heart issue if we're not careful. It's this issue of money. Do you know that Jesus spoke more about money than he did about salvation? Don't don't believe me? Checking checking the Gospels. He spoke more about money, not because he was trying to pump people up to give. No. No. Jesus spoke about money more than anything else. You know why? Because at the very core, it has the very means to grip our heart and to cause us to deviate in the direction of life. We will replace money over a love for God if we're not careful. And, And I'm not talking about, listen, I'm not saying go empty your bank accounts now because money's bad. That's not what I said. We're going to be talking about this issue of the love of money. The love of money. The love of money. I didn't say money, but the love of it. And so if we're completely honest with ourselves, and I'm not asking you to rat on yourself or tell somebody else or nudge your neighbor. I just want you to think about this. If we're completely honest with ourselves, money is the one thing that we are most prone to stress over. We stress over it. We lose sleep over it. Listen, we fret. We fret for it and we make immense sacrifices for it. How many homes haven't lost a mother or father in pursuit of money? How many marriages haven't crumbled because of the pursuit of money? How many communities haven't been destroyed because of the love of money? Ladies and gentlemen, this is a killer. And there is a heart attack that happens on a daily basis. And if we are not wise... And well-versed in what God's perspective is of this love of money, it'll block us from experiencing the kingdom. I bet you, I bet your bottom dollar this. If today any of you are sitting here right now and all of a sudden you begin to get some chest pains. And you begin to become uh, short of breath. And all of a sudden your heart is just beating really hard and you're in pain and you're just feeling all these spasms in your chest. You would be wise enough to get up, never mind who's preaching, never mind what's happening, never mind who's around you, whose coffee you spill in the process. You will run out of here and you will get yourself to a hospital. You know why? Because you're wise enough to understand that when there's a heart attack, something has to be done about it. Can I just suggest this to you? There's a heart attack happening daily. And it lies to us and it seeks to entice us to love money more than God. To love possessions more than God. To seek wealth more than God. To seek a lie over truth. 
And we would be wise to daily check this heart of ours. To measure everything against the word of God. Against the word of God. See, it's a money trap. It's a money trap. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, speaks to Timothy. And he says to him, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap. They fall into temptation and a trap. And watch what it goes on to say. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Hey, when was the last time you went to a cliff and jumped off it? I I figured nobody did that. You know why? Because you're wise enough to understand. That's That's not good. That's harmful. That's destructive. And I want you to consider what the scriptures are saying about the desire, the pursuit, the love of money. It says that it's like we're jumping into this trap. We're enslaving ourselves. It's like we're giving up the keys and we're locking the door and we're saying, I'm not leaving this trap. Listen to what it goes on to say in verse 10. It goes on to say, for the love of money is root of all kinds of evil. All kinds of evil. Some people eager for money who have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. I'm going to read that again. And I'm going to illustrate it to you with this big Conan sword. Sir, can I ask you to join me here with the glasses if you don't mind? Yeah, please. Because I'm wise enough not to stab myself. So I'm going to let you do that for me. What's your name, brother? Kenny. Kenny, nice to meet you, man. I'm Pastor Jose, man. I want you to grab this sword. Two hands. It's sharp. So, all right. I want you to grab it right there. Okay. Right? And just kind of point it right there, right? What? No, not right there. Right, right there. Right. right there, right? I want you to keep it right there, right? And I'm going to read this to you again. It says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and they've Pierce themselves with many griefs. I'd like you to stab yourself at this point. Would you do that for us, sir? Not doing it? No, he's not cooperating. I picked the wrong guy. Let me ask you why you you wouldn't do that. Why wouldn't you stab yourself with that real sword? Don't want to kill yourself. He's a smart guy. Thank you. I appreciate it. I want you to consider what the word says about the love of money. That it is the root of all evil. And here's what it says, that when we love money, when the pursuit of money takes place of a pursuit of God, of what is good and right and true, when we love money, literally what we're doing, it's like taking a sword and piercing ourselves with various griefs. Hey, I think, I, I think we can all agree with this. That when it's about money, 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 life gets complicated. Isn't that true? You ever been there where you said, if I could just make this much, life would be so much easier. And then you get there and you go, not enough. Oh, if I could just get this promotion and get to this point in my life and you get there and it's not enough. It gets more complicated. It's hard. The Bible tells us that we should not deceive ourselves. 
it goes on to say that what we sow, we reap. What we sow, we reap. And I want you to notice that the love of money is the beginning of all that is evil and harmful. If we could just go back to verse 9, uh, I'm sorry, verse 10 real quick. Notice that it says that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It's the beginning. The beginning. The beginning. So let's not deceive ourselves, ladies and gentlemen. Look, I didn't say this. My job here is not to give you my opinion on anything. I'm just simply sharing with you what the word says. What God says. When money is our honey and we love it and we pursue it and we seek it. Baby, I love you. Right? And you're just counting dollars, peeling them off. And you're enjoying how much you're accumulating. You know what else is at work? Evil. Evil. God says that. So it's deceptive. This love of money is so deceptive that it harms us and brings us destruction. But watch how. By your own hand. Money does nothing to you. You do it. You love money to such an extent that you begin to pierce yourself. Harm yourself. Your home becomes a mess. Your kids are astray. You're emotionally unstable. You're angry. You're frustrated. This, that. And it's the love of money. It's deceptive. It tricks you to believe that somehow you're good in piercing yourself. It's a lie. It's a lie. And so we should be mindful to consider the word of God. That this love of money is a lie. In Luke chapter 12, verses 32 through 34, we read, it says, Do not be afraid, little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Now, Jesus is speaking to people here in need. He's speaking to people here who are financially troubled. They're spiritually troubled. They're morally troubled. In every every way, they're just going through a tough time. And he says, hey, listen, don't be fooled. Don't be afraid, little flock. He says, your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Listen to God's answer. To what we think we need. God's not up in heaven fabricating dollars. If you've been praying for money, you've been praying wrong. The Bible says that God gives you the power to create wealth. It's through your hands. He empowers you. He he gives you talents. He gives you gifts. But it's up to us to take the initiative in partnership with heaven. Heaven works. The question is, do we work in relationship and in agreement with heaven? And so he says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out. You know what he's saying? Don't rely upon money. Rely upon a greater treasure. I'll prove it to you. Watch what he says. A treasure in heaven that will never fail where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Get this. Think about this. Reliance upon 
earthly possessions wears out, is what Jesus says. That purse, it decays, it fades away, it cracks, it gets old. It's whack, Jack. That's 1980s. Some of you didn't get that. Some of you didn't get that. Okay, it's all right. But listen to what Jesus says. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, your heart, where your belief finds all its beginnings, where belief is rooted, is a vault created to store God's greatest treasure. You know what that treasure is? God's kingdom. His ways. His purposes for you. His plans. His leading. His guidance. His love. His strength. It's not in what we do for God, ladies and gentlemen. It's in pursuit of God that we discover what God has already done for us. See, growing in your love for God is the best investment you can ever make. You can ever make. It's the best investment you could ever make. And so I want to encourage you to seek true riches. Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Jesus is in the middle of teaching people. And this one guy finds what it's on his heart so pressing that he has to interrupt Jesus. Let's read starting in verse 13 to see what happens here. It says, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. What's he talking about? Money. Here Jesus is, is, here Jesus is extending life. Jesus said, the words that I speak, they are spirit and life. He's given them what they need. And this guy goes, excuse me, Mr. Jesus, JJ, sorry, I know, I know. Yeah, what I have on my heart is more important. He says, me and my brother have a dispute over some money. He says, could you settle that for us? And watch Jesus' response. It says that Jesus replied to the man, he said, man, who will point? I, I, I think of it this way. Jesus said, man, really? Man, come on, man. He says, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? You know, Jesus is saying, why are you troubling me about issues of money? My kingdom doesn't operate according to your system of money. And so watch what he goes on to say. Since then he said to him, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. In other words, you think your life depends upon money and it doesn't. It doesn't. Doesn't depend on your house. Doesn't depend on your car. Doesn't depend. Doesn't depend on the oohs and ahs because of the rims that you got on your car. Doesn't depend on the clothes you wear, the accolades of people, how much you got in an account, how many IRAs you got going for you, how successful your business is. None of that. None of that is how the kingdom operates. It doesn't consist on that. And so he says to him in verse sixteen, and he told him. A parable. Now, a parable was a tool that Jesus used. It was just simply stories that Jesus used to illustrate kingdom principles, to teach truth about God's kingdom, how it worked. And so it says, the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. 
And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. This guy's loaded. And he goes, man, I got to make, hey, I got nowhere else to put all this money, all this, all these possessions. And so watch his plan. Verse 17. I'm sorry, verse 18. He goes on to say, this is what I'll do. Ah, this is what I'll do. He says, I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. My, 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 my. It's all about me, me, me. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Jesus says, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself. But watch this. But is not rich towards God. Now he's saying, True riches are found in a rich relationship with God. Then Jesus himself said, don't worry. Seek first the kingdom of God and all its righteousness and all these things, all these inconsequential things that you put so much importance, all those things will be added to you. I just want to point some things out to you based upon what we see here. We're responsible for what we do with money, not God. This guy comes to Jesus about a money issue and Jesus says, what? I'm not a judge over that. I'm not an arbiter over that. I'm not concerned with that. Thus, he points him to the kingdom. He points him to how the kingdom works. He points him to where true riches flow from. A rich relationship with God, a pursuit of true happiness in Christ. Second thing we see here is that the love of money leads to a love of self. A love for self. It's all about me, 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 my, 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 I, I, I. And if you dwell there long enough, it'll be I, 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 I. You get where I'm coming from? Listen, we know nothing about this man's family, his friendships, the peace in his home. We know nothing about that. But could it be that the reason why we know nothing about that is because it was non-existent because of his pursuit and love of money? Could it be? What we do know is that this man's love for money led him to satisfy only his love for himself. He had no room in his heart for God and he certainly had no room in his heart for people. And what we see is that this guy was seeking peace. Listen to what he says. After I get to this point in life, ah, I finally get to a place of peace. I can relax. I can enjoy what I've accumulated. And what we, what we see is that Jesus is saying, that's a lie, brother. You got it wrong. Listen, there's nothing wrong with gaining possessions. But everything goes wrong when those possessions gain a hold of you. Nothing wrong with possessions. But everything does go wrong. When those possessions take a hold of your heart. You know, right about now, I'm sure that just as I am, you're thinking about this. You're considering 
Where am I at with this? Maybe you're kind of seeing what's in your own heart. Maybe you're good. But I want to give you some simple things to consider as we're wrapping up here in the next couple of minutes about guarding your heart, about preventing this heart attack, about preventing a blockage in the depths of your heart that can literally suck the life out of the kingdom of God that has been given to you. It doesn't hurt the kingdom, but it hurts your heart and your ability to receive it, to live according to it. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, the Lord says to us, keep your lives free from the love of money. I was sharing this a while ago in this series and one of the sermons and I was saying, I was asking the question, have you ever had one of those moments when you look at a baby and you just kind of go, man, I wish I was there because life was a lot simpler then. I didn't have to deal with all this stuff. You know, I want you to listen to these words. God says, keep your lives free. Freedom. Free from the love of money. And be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. Let me encourage you with a thought here. Don't miss what you have for what you think money promises. Don't miss what you have in God for what you think money promises. Don't miss the leading of God. Don't miss the substance of everything that he's provided for you in Jesus Christ. The scriptures declare that he has given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. And that we partake of God's divine nature as we become acquainted with the promises of God. Where we become acquainted acquainted with the faithfulness of God. Where we begin to have this personal, intimate, connected relationship to God. A dependence upon God. Don't buy that lie. Money is not your peace. Money does not give substance to your life. It's never enough. I'd like to do something here if I could. It's just one of those moments that I had here. I've got a penny in my hand, right? I'd like to ask you for a favor, Brother Wes. We turn to this scripture real quick. Hebrews chapter 10, we said, right? What was that verse that we said? Hebrews 10 what? 10, 13? 10, 13, 5? Okay. Yeah, I'm not looking at my notes. I'm sorry about that. Brother West, I'd like to ask you for a favor. I'm going to take this one little penny. How, much, how many of you care about a penny? Oh, come on. You know you leave them on the floor sometimes. You could care less about a penny. Not worth much, right? I'd like to do something. I'm going to place this penny over this scripture that we just read. 13.5, right? And I want you to read only what you see right there. Keep your lives free from the love 
of money and be content with what you have because just read what you can see has said never will I leave you and never will I forsake you I want to point something out to you real quick thank you brother I took a single penny and I simply placed it over the word God over one word and while Brother West was reading the word of God, the inspired word of God, spirit and life, one single penny was able to cover the word God. Do you know that that's what money does for us in life? We could be seeking God and loving money and we'll miss God every time. It's not worth it. This pursuit of money, this love of money is not worth it. Not worth it. Don't miss what you have for what you think money promises. You know, the Bible talks about a time where Jesus found himself sharing a parable. And it was a parable about a rich master who entrusted to his servant all his riches, all his wealth. And the Bible says that his master goes away. He goes away and then he comes back and he says, okay, let's settle accounts. And he realizes you didn't do what you were supposed to with the wealth that I entrusted you. You didn't do what you were supposed to. And the Bible says that this, this manager that he had entrusted, this man that he entrusted, this person that he entrusted, just so you know, we're talking about a parable. So the master here is God. And the manager that he's talking about is you and me. And here's what he says. Jesus, alluding to this parable, says that this man gets to a point where he realizes everything's about to be taken from me, what I've been entrusted. And so he goes to all those that owed his master money. And he settles accounts. What do you owe me? You owe me a thousand? Cut that to five hundred. Cut that to 800. You owe me 900? Give me 400. And the Bible says that the master takes note of this manager and he calls him a shrewd manager. And then Jesus goes on to give us the heart, the meat of what he's saying about money. He says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. I want you to see what Jesus says about money. Because the parable has to do with a heart centered on money. It's revealing something about how we manage the resources that we've been entrusted. Notice what he says about money. He says it's very little. It's not as big as we think. It's not as important as we place the value on it. So if, you've, so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, see, he's talking about money. He says, who will trust you with true riches? Hey, get this. If we can't be faithful and manage the wealth that we've been entrusted from God, here's what Jesus is saying. Don't expect to grow in any other area of the kingdom. 
what he's saying. You can't manage this very little. You can't be faithful with this very little. You can't see that I've entrusted it to you. That it's not yours. That it's my provision. It's my empowerment. If you can't manage that, how will you, he says, expect to be trusted with true riches? The kingdom of God. How will you grow? How will you excel? See, this money issue, this love of money is a blocker to the life that the kingdom of God lives and breathes through our heart where we believe. He goes on to say in verse 12, I'm sorry, in verse 13, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. See, wealth has been entrusted to you by God to manage, not to hoard. Wealth has been entrusted to you by God to manage. It's not ours. He's, He's the one who's empowered us with the ability to create wealth. But what we do with it is indicative of what we believe about God. And so I encourage you, choose whom you'll serve. Choose a love for God. I wish I had more time, but I'll just leave you with these last two scriptures and we're done here. Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4. It says, by wisdom a house is built and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Can I tell you that we'd be wiser to choose wisdom over riches? Choose wisdom over riches. You're going to pursue that which brings true enrichment to your life. Seek the wisdom of God. Solomon did that. He started off right. He ended up messed up. But he started by simply seeking wisdom. Wisdom from God. Seek God's wisdom. Seek to know his ways. God says that his wisdom builds our house. Our dwelling You know that that word house there speaks of not only your dwelling, it speaks of your family line. It speaks of your household affairs. And when it talks about it builds our house, it's talking about making it permanent. His wisdom brings permanency of all that is good and right and true and lovely and holy and blessed. His wisdom, not money. And lastly, Proverbs 11, 24, verses 25. Let's stand here. Says this one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. Listen closely to what the scriptures say a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Hey, can I encourage you with something? Live generously. With your finances, live generously. With your money, live generously. With your, t- with your talents, with your gifts, live generously. See, generosity is a kingdom principle. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. And you know what he gave? He gave his very best. He gave his one and only begotten son. Why? 
Because the value for all humanity was worth it. He didn't place the value. He didn't misplace it. He looked at us and he said, I'll pay the ultimate price with my son. Today, as we're closing out, I want you to consider something. Has love of money been an issue for you? See, don't allow the pursuit of money to create a blockage in your heart and rob you of the life that the kingdom of God gives you. See, as you grow in your love for the Lord and follow after his ways, you'll discover that the kingdom of God prospers you in every way. When Jesus got to the heart of the matter with the Pharisees, it was more than just money with them. You know what the core was? They had replaced their love for God with something else. And one of the things that we obsess about if we're not careful is this love of money. Don't pierce yourself. Let it go. I'm not saying it's bad to have money, but it's bad for money to have you. It's bad when God becomes second best because money takes first place. Father, today we come to you in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. We consider the wisdom of your word. It's truth. And Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that today you've spoken to us clearly. That you've gotten to the heart of the matter of what this world centers around. Me and money. Money, me. I. My. What belongs to me. Father, we thank you, Lord, that today there's been a clearing. There's been a surgical procedure done in the lives of here, your people. Listen, I know that right now some of you are responding to this word and maybe, maybe, just maybe this is hitting you right at home. Don't beat yourself up and don't stay there. But just realize that God is exposing a lie and he's telling truth. Where once a lie took a hold of your heart, he's giving you truth. And he's saying, trust me, seek me. Look to my kingdom, look to my ways. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And so, Lord, today we come to you with open hearts. Where we've fallen short, Lord, we say, Lord, forgive us. We thank you that you've already done that in Jesus and we turn around. And if this hasn't been an issue for you, then Lord, thank you that you have guarded my heart. But Lord, really, I will remember that it's about you and your kingdom. That I love you more than anything. That nothing can take first place, the only place in my heart. You, Lord. You and you alone. We thank you today, Lord, for that. Hey, today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you've been busy loving on other things, and coming up short. And today you're realizing, man, you know what? There's fullness in God. There's something greater in God's kingdom. I want that. Then I'm telling you right now that you are prime and ready to take a hold of the keys of the kingdom of God. And it simply starts with belief and confession. Belief 
and declaring what you believe, giving voice to that which God has birthed in your heart. Pray this with us if you believe that today. If this is where you are, say this with us. Let's join together with them, congregation. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died and you rose again. I believe you paid the price for me. Today I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I call you my God. And from this day forward, I choose to follow the way of your kingdom. In Jesus' name.